This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. And it all takes place while you're filling out financial reports at work, in the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen, call in sick, do whatever you got to do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Good hype. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 Hypecast Wisconsin edition. Nebraska still on the brink of bowl eligibility now. Several weeks into that. Uh, we'll see if that uh, has any effect in how people choose or predict this game this weekend. I, of course, am Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, Brian Christofferson. We're Husker 24-7. And our special guest this week on the Hypecast, making his debut from the Athletic, we have Mitch Sherman. Mitch, welcome to the Hypecast, this uh, amazing opportunity you've been afforded. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's a, it's a, it's an honor to be here with you. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad I finally made the cut. <laughs> we're, we're glad that it, it worked out for you time-wise. That seems to be the biggest, the biggest thing to, to get on the list is if you have some time at Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. That's, uh, that's how these things get done. All right, uh, we, as we do every week, we'll start on offense, and we'll go right to Mitch Sherman, and we'll ask him about the quarterbacks. What, Mitch, are you, at this point, on Wednesday morning, what are you expecting for Nebraska uh, in terms of quarterbacks on Saturday? Who do you think will be available? Who do you think plays? Well, I'll start with the easy part and say that I don't think it's going to be Heinrich Harburg. Uh, We know how these ankles go. We saw Jeff Sims miss multiple weeks before he was able to return and then still stay on the bench for other reasons after that. And, you know, it remains to be seen if Harburg's injury is as serious or even the same kind of injury as Sims. But I think to expect him to come back in just a few days and play at Wisconsin is is a little bit much to ask. And, and, and Matt Rule has been has been, I think, leading us down that road since Saturday after the game and, and, you know, not having a lot of specifics to offer about Harburg. And then we heard as the week got started and we got into Tuesday that he wasn't at practice and, and was just taking mental reps. And so, yeah, I I feel comfortable in saying that we're not going to see Heinrich Harburg starting this game. I wouldn't expect that we'll see him at all unless it's in some kind of an emergency situation. I mean, they, they have also mentioned that his strength, is his running ability. And, you know, we've seen that time and time again. So if you've got a, uh, an ankle that's 60% or even 70 or 80%, that's going to limit your ability to, to be a, uh, an effective runner. So he's out of the mix. Um, as far as I see it right now on Wednesday, that brings us to, to Jeff Sims or Chubba Purdy. And, you know, my thought on it 
in, in trying to put myself in, in the, in the decision maker's shoes is, you know, how do you go back to Jeff Sims? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't know how, how they can make that, that decision. You know, we saw him healthy again against Purdue and he committed a turnover that almost got Nebraska in trouble in a game that it appeared to have well in hand in the fourth quarter. And then we saw him for seven possessions uh, last Saturday against Maryland and three of them ended in, in, in turnovers, another one on a, on a, a, a fourth down uh, miss. So a turnover on downs, two turnovers in the fourth quarter, right at the start of the fourth quarter, we know how important the fourth quarter is to Nebraska. So I guess what I'm saying in all of this is that I think they're going to try Chubba Purdy and he's the guy that ended the game um, against Maryland. And I think he'll be the guy that starts it against Wisconsin. Just to follow up with that, with, with Chubba Purdy, we obviously watched him get a couple starts last year, played an entirely different offense. Do you do you expect a wildly different version of him with this version of Nebraska's offense? Or, or is it going to be sort of similar where that team really struggled to move the ball, maintain possession, and to put up points? He looked massively uncomfortable last year when he was out there as the starting quarterback and really o- almost the entire time that he played in, in 2022. Uh, and I think some of that was a product of just the situation around him. And that was a hard situation to play in. This is a hard situation to play in. It was a difficult situation for him to play in last week when they put him in at the three yard line in a tie game in the fourth quarter. And he had very limited reps with the offense that he was asked to run. So he did much better in that, in that situation, despite the interception in the end zone at the end than he did for the most part last season. So I think we'll see more likely the version of of Chuba that we saw last week than we will the version that we saw last year. He's a year older. He's more comfortable. I think he's uh, he feels better. You know, without asking being able to ask him about this, we've not talked to Chuba. I don't think all year. Uh, maybe in preseason camp, but it's 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 been a long time. And um, you know, I, I I can only assume based on what I've heard from the coaches and his teammates and seeing him play last week that he's more comfortable right now than he was at this time a year ago when he was asked to play in November for Mickey Joseph and and that coaching staff. Um, so, you know, I don't think he's going to lead a 90 yard drive every time he goes out there, but I, I think um, he's going to look like the version of Chubba Purdy that we saw against Maryland. You see one of the things that'll help him be more comfortable this year <clears throat> than last is the offensive line play. We know Matt rule has been, uh, happy with sort of the the progress from the offensive line and where are things are at with that unit uh, now a few weeks into sort of a reshaping following all of those injuries in October yeah rule said uh, Maryland was their best performance and actually when you go back and you look at Nebraska's offensive drive chart in that game you see some consistency moving the ball um, this past Saturday but the you know the and they're not responsible for the the QB literally dropping the ball and some of the decisions that were made in the passing game. I thought when they lined up and ran it, um, they had enough success that to encourage you to go back to that well with Emmett Johnson behind those guys and and see what you can get done with 18 to 20 carries for him. So um, I thought it was an encouraging last Saturday for them. I would agree with uh, what Rule said on that. Um, I think Justin Evans Jenkins has done a nice job for such a young player getting thrown into the middle of Big Ten play. That's not an easy assignment, but we're not like talking about him as just like some sore point or anything like that. And I think Teddy Prohaska is starting to get his feet under him um, at left tackle a bit. So um, I think they feel like they have a little momentum in that room, but they also know um, 
even though Wisconsin's different than the Wisconsin we maybe knew five or 10 years ago and how they play, um, you know, Teddy kind of said it, how Donovan Ryola talked about how Wisconsin kind of built their program on that toughness in the O-line and maybe modeled it after old Nebraska a little bit. And um, there's that challenge to go up there and sort of uh, beat them at their own game, I think, a little bit that those guys are taking seriously. Brunts, this last week we saw Janira Bonner score. Um, we saw probably the best game from Emmett Johnson or a continuation of uh, some good runs from Emmett Johnson, who's given Nebraska lift as their fourth string running back uh, this year. Where, where are you at with Nebraska's sort of running game, especially as we kind of look at if you don't have Chubba Purdy or excuse me, if you don't have Heinrich Harburg, uh, what does this do to Nebraska's running game? Could it be more traditional looking? on Saturday without Heinrich Harburg and, and kind of the option that they've been working in the last six, seven weeks. Yeah. We don't really know what Purdy's level of comfort is with the option. I think he's a guy that if you roll him out, um, you know, and, and give him the option to throw or run, I, I, you know, I think he can kind of function in that kind of an offense. I think you've seen based on, you know, what Matt rules said, Marcus Satterfield said it yesterday too, that, you know, they need to continue to get Emmett Johnson more involved. I mean, he's, He's a decisive runner. I think he runs a little bit bigger uh, than what he is. Um, you know, I think he makes largely makes good decisions. And you know, he had 17 carries last week. I, it was a fairly efficient day. I mean, I, I think I think the only thing kind of holding him back a little bit is just being dedicated to it. I mean, I don't I don't think it's a stretch to see him be able to go over 20 carries in a game. It seems like he's kind of emerged as more of the you know, the, the, the number one back role where it was more by committee before. So, I, I mean, the, a running game that sounds good to me is a lot of Emmett Johnson. You sprinkle in a little bit of Anthony Grant. You find some some spots for Josh Fleeks to do what he can do. And I think you can you can uh, have some success there. So, um, I, I hope they go to more of that because I think when they've – even when Jeff Sims was in last week, and they got Emmett Johnson more involved in the run game. It felt like that offense just was a little bit more crisp than it was otherwise. Mitch, when you sort of assess the season and we've, we've seen what's happened at wide receiver for Nebraska, we've seen what's happened at quarterback. It makes the, the throwing game a little bit more difficult. What, what do you feel like these younger wide receivers have been able to get out of the last five, six weeks of, of, you know, having to play more, having to get more reps, but not necessarily leading to, to in-game production because of all of the other issues with the offense. Yeah, it's just really valuable experience for them. And I know it's frustrating for Nebraska fans to see it now. And, you know, you can dissect some of these plays. And I don't know that, that, that that's fair to all of these freshman receivers. And it, it remains to be seen if we're going to see more of Jaden Doss. You know, he's at that four-game threshold and and he plays slot the slots position and Billy Kemp is back and healthy with just two games left so maybe his his time contributing this year is over so he can be a redshirt freshman next year but even if that's the case obviously Jalen Lloyd and Malachi Coleman are well beyond those four games so as sophomores next year and and really just going through this offseason they're going to have so much more ability to understand what they need to improve on what it's like to get into Big Ten games and play college football. You know, I thought it was interesting in listening to Thomas Fedoni this week talk about his first college football experience. It actually came at Wisconsin two years ago when he was coming off of his first knee injury and he rehabbed through the summer and into the into the fall. And, and they got him into a game in his redshirt year against Wisconsin. And, and 
he got his, he said his welcome to the big 10 moment or welcome to college football moment. And I, I, I remember that play. He got, he got knocked off his feet at the goal line and he still talks about that as a moment where he kind of understood what it was like and what it would take and the physicality that was required to play at this level. And, and you can see it from the sidelines, you can watch it on film, but I think if you don't, if you don't get out there and experience it, it's, it's more difficult to, to understand it and to know how to prepare yourself. So what these freshmen, the three of them at receiver have received is a lot of that is a lot of, um, those welcome to college football moments. And they continue to, to have ups and downs. They've all had some ups and they've certainly all had some downs too. So they're going to be better for it moving forward. And this is the future for Nebraska at the wide receiver spot. You know, they went big at that position in recruiting last season in hopes that these players lead them forward in, in the mat into year two and beyond of the, of the Matt rule era. So they're going to be in better position coming out of the spring and going into camp next year because of, of everything positive and negative that these players are experiencing right now. Let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball. Brunts, what, uh, what did you make of Nebraska kind of bouncing back, uh, holding Maryland to 13 points after, you know, it's, it's hard to even call it a down performance in East Lansing where you only give up 20 points. But it, it did, at least to my eyes, look like Nebraska took another step forward defensively against what was thought to be a really difficult matchup with Maryland in their passing game. And you did it without Quentin Newsom. Yeah, no, I, I think Quentin Newsom was a big loss in that game, um, as it turned out. Um, I, You know, the group that I thought that bounced back the best was the defensive line. I mean, I think that was probably the best that Ty Robinson's played as a Nebraska player uh, in that game. I thought Nash Hupmacher was... Um, disruptive as he needed to be uh you know the the thing that kind of I, I would imagine probably stings Tony White a little bit still as we sit here today was just that final drive I mean that they had a bust uh, on that long run um and, and kind of let Maryland just move methodically down the field against them so um you know I, I they had the turnovers that they forced the turnovers that they'd been lacking um for the last few weeks and you know again I mean I get asked a lot, you know, how, can you be critical of the defense? I mean, I think you can, but I think you also need to acknowledge that, you know, game after game after game this year, they've been put in really, really difficult spots. And, you know, they, they've had to play close to perfect. I mean, you, you look at the, the the touchdowns they've given up. It's been, you know, double moves or a bust here or there. Um, it, they, they've really made teams work for yeah. it. So I, I don't have any quibbles. And I, I, I was, I was, I was, impressed with the way that they bounced back and really the way that they pass rush too against uh, Maryland's offense. Cause I thought that was going to be an issue keeping uh, their quarterback in the pocket. So I, I you know, you, you probably grade them an a minus in that game. I, they, they played well enough to win again and, and uh, you know, just did, didn't get enough from the other side to help them out. BC, how does Nebraska go about approaching a game against a Wisconsin team that isn't going to look as you know, we've become accustomed to that has its own issues of injuries, specifically at running back with Braylon Allen is coming off of two pretty brutal losses to Indiana and Northwestern in which their offense wasn't able to, to get on track. How do you, how do you feel like Nebraska sort of approaches this? Because it's just a very different version of Wisconsin in 2023 than what we're, we're used to. It is, but it's also sort of the reason like, like you bring in a guy like Tony white. And I, I remember back when he was hired here, 
they talk sometimes in the press conferences about the Big Ten is sometimes typecast as a certain style of league. And we think of old school Wisconsin and sort of that style of football. And I remember Tony White or it was Rule. It was like talking about Longo at Wisconsin. He's like, it, I mean, it's it's more diverse than you think with some of the offenses you're going to see. And the belief in his scheme is that it's so bendable um, t- toward, you know, taking on different foes and different ways of uh, that they're going to try to attack you. So I don't think that's going to be a big issue for them. Um, you know, you're just looking at this year's film and you're looking at <clears throat> their best stuff. You know that obviously it's been rough on their side of the ball, just like it has on the brat for Nebraska's offense. But you sort of have to expect you're going to get their best effort with Mordecai. I don't know how um, available Allen is going to be at this point or what his situation is, honestly. Um, but you, you, you just got to keep tackling well and play well in space. And um, hopefully Quentin Newsom is back this weekend. And I mean, simply put, not simply done, they're going to have to be what Bruns was speaking of this last game, where you're that group that can take it away two or three times because you can't count on your offense not giving it away two or three or more times. So that I mean, that's just sort of the part of the responsibility that's fallen on their shoulders with this year. Mitch, what uh, what have you made of the defense this year and, and how Tony White and that staff has been able to kind of use the pieces that they've inherited to have the success that they've had? And then the the, the obvious follow up to that, what, um, you know, what ranking or, or where does locking up Tony White land on the offseason list for Matt Rule right now as we're seeing coaching changes throughout the country? Yeah, I just continue to be really impressed with the job that not only Tony White's doing, but I mean, look at a guy like Terrence Knighton and the work that he's done with that defensive front. I mean, Ty Robinson and and Nash Hutmaker and Blaze Gunnerson, you can go down the list and start to get into the younger guys too. And they've been maybe more inconsistent and battled some injuries. But those three as as older players, they're different players, completely different players than than what we've seen of them in their Nebraska careers. And Nebraska played some good defense at times last last season, especially after Bill Bush took over that group. But it you know it, it wasn't consistent at the level that what we've seen for all of this year. You know, even in their even in their bad games. I mean, take Michigan out of it, but even in even in like what Nebraska considered a bad defensive game, like the Michigan State game, and they were still the, the far superior. Um, side of the ball for for nebraska so you know that overall my impression is is very positive of what tony white has brought to this to this defensive culture for nebraska um you know more specifically i just look at their ability to 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 plug and and play you know they've had injuries in the secondary as the year has gone on and they've been out without deshaun singleton now for several weeks and he was one of their bigger playmakers as um you know, as the season in the first half of the season. And, you know, for instance, you see Marquise Buford come back from injury and play in these last two games. And, you know, we saw him on a safety blitz last week um, take out Talia Tonga-Vailoa in in a a type of uh, look that Nebraska had not shown much this year and doing something, a specific skill set that we had not seen from Marquise Buford, who'd been a, a star, a longtime starter, or a, a, certainly an experienced guy in that secondary. So Tony White just and Evan Cooper, you know, with with that specific play, they all just continue to impress me with the way that they're getting the most out of the the players that they have, and it gives me confidence that 
you know, there's going to be players who leave. I mean, Ty Robinson has earned himself an NFL paycheck. Some other guys are going to have, you know, Luke Reimer's gone next year. Some other guys are going to have decisions to make on that defense about whether they want to come back or, or, or move on and try pro football. Um, you know, I'm confident, though, just because of what I've seen with the ability to plug and play various options, that they're going to be able to do that with the young guys who are coming up in this program. And, and the future's bright for Nebraska and the black shirts, as long as, as you said, Mike, they can, they can keep Tony white locked down. And that's going to be a constant, uh, a constant worry, I think for, for Matt rule and for Nebraska, you know, Matt rule wants his guys to have opportunities. And, you know, he's, he reiterated that on Monday, not talking about Tony white, but just, he wants his assistants to become head coaches and coordinators. Um, Tony white, of course, you know, the next step for him would, would be a head coach, you know, unless he's going to take over, you know, a, a, a top 10 program, as a coordinator. And I don't even know if that would be attractive enough for him to leave what he's got at Nebraska, but they're probably going to have to give him a raise. They're probably going to have to restructure some things in that contract, which sounds, um, you know, kind of mind boggling because he's already the highest paid defensive coordinator in school history. The first, the first uh, coach at that, at that spot to make a million dollars. But, um, you know, I think the reality is with the money that's being thrown around in the big 10 and the sec that, um, uh, they're going to have to give him more. And, um, it's probably going to have to come in in December um, just to, to keep to keep things comfortable. You know, already there's openings that potentially um, could could look attractive for Tony White. And, you know, while nothing is confirmed as far as him being a candidate, um, you know, we're going to continue to to look at that stuff, I'm sure. And, and you know, wonder what he's thinking. But, um, you know, Matt Rule, of course, has the ability to, to keep him and Nebraska's fortunate to have the resources that it does. And, you know, I think, I think ultimately, you know, he's going to be a head coach, but um, it would be nice if he can be in Lincoln for another year or two after this one. Yeah. That'll definitely be something to keep an eye on as we move into the off season. All right. We're going to take a quick time out here on the Husker 24 seven hype cast. When we return time for oddly specific predictions, picks to click and game predictions. Will anyone take Nebraska to pull an upset in Madison? We'll find out next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. All right. Oddly specific prediction time ahead of the show. I, I warned Mitch what he was getting into, and, and now he can uh now he can sit back and watch as as we uh show him and tell him what our oddly specific predictions are for Nebraska, Wisconsin. I'll start. There will be no touchdowns scored on Saturday. Not a single time will the ball cross the end zone line and result in six points going on the scoreboard. Zero touchdowns 
on Saturday. That is as specific as I can get with scoring without telling you the specific score, which you'll get here in a few minutes. Michael Brunts, what do you got? Uh, I'll give you two quick ones. I think I, I predicted last week that Emma Johnson was going to go over 100 yards. Uh, he got close, did not get there. Um, I, I think he gets over 100 this week. I think Nebraska keeps giving him the ball. I'm going to say 104 yards rushing um, this week for Emmett Johnson. Uh, it's going to come on 20, 21 carries. Um, so he's going to have to he's going to have to work for it a little bit, I think. Uh, the other one I think to watch very closely, I think Nebraska somehow against all odds finishes minus one in turnover margin this week. I still think they give it away three times. They get two back. Um, I'm looking for a Javin Wright fumble recovery and also a Tommy Hill interception as Nebraska's two, uh, two, two gained turnovers. All right, BC. I think this is the most daring one I've had. Um, and it's not that it wouldn't seem that big on the surface, but Ethan Nation is going to have a 23 yard punt return. That's one of like, and people are going to kind of just be confused by it. It's going to be one of those things. It's a big deal on Twitter or wherever you hang out. Is he going to catch the ball at the two? <laughs> All right. You don't got to be snarky about, uh, about this part. It, they will not catch a punt inside their own five, but he's going to slip a tackle. Uh, he's going to take it at about the 18 and get it out to the 41 yard line. And we're going to be like, what was that? You know, sort of startled by it. So there's that. And I'll throw in uh, Alvano's going to make two field goals, but he, he's itching by the way, to have a shot at like a game winner, like that kind of like kick. He was saying that the other day, uh, it, this is not going to be of that variety, but he's going to hit a 52 yarder at the end of the half. That gives them a little jolt. All right. Mitch, did we give you enough time to, to come up with something on yeah. the fly? Yeah, well, well, you know, the danger in going last is that is that you can get um, you can get your your oddly specific prediction stolen. And and BC went. I'll, I'll I'll give you one, but I will say BC BC took mine about the punt return. I was going to give Nebraska a twelve yard punt return in this <laughs> that, game. That's more I mean, that reasonable. Season long. Right. Well, it would be season long. Nebraska has 30 punt return yards for the season. Do you guys know that Rutgers is negative on punt return yards for the season? So wow. it can always be it can always be they're minus one on punt return yards for the entire season. So it can always be worse than what it's been for Nebraska. Uh we did see a four-yard punt return from Ethan Nation last week, which was which was which was getting pretty 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 uh exciting. Um, before he got tackled there uh, just to uh, it was in the fourth quarter um, so I will go away I will move away from that and I will say Nebraska is going to block a punt I want to I want to go special teams we were on the same wavelength VC with with thinking special teams about our oddly specific picks but a blocked punt from Nebraska in this game they've continued to uh, as the season's gone on come up with some big plays on special teams you saw the fake punt last week so I'm going with a blocked punt this week that that leads to a score um, for Nebraska and factors uh, factors in the in the um, ultimate outcome, which may give you a little bit of a sneak peek on what I'm going to say for my game prediction. All right, picks to click. I will. Uh, I'll go ahead and get mine out of the way. Jamari Butler, who I feel like has played really well for Nebraska for about the last six games, but statistically it hasn't resulted in a ton of sacks or a ton of TFLs. But he has been very, very consistent, very good. I think he is going to have one and a half sacks on Saturday. A good game for Jamari Butler, bringing pressure for the Huskers from the outside. Brunts. 
Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Ty Robinson. He feels like he's he's on one of those like I know he's got a he's got a choice to come back or not. So I don't know if we can call it a senior senior heater, but he, he's one of those guys that you start hearing the the clock tick a little bit on your time at a place. You up your level of play. Uh, he led Nebraska in tackles last week, I believe. Um, so I, I'm going to say that he's going to be disruptive once again. Put me down for a sack and a couple quarterback hurries from Ty Robinson. And one of those plays where Wisconsin thinks they're being kind of cheeky, they throw a screen out into the flat, and uh, he kind of does the, the happy Gilmore boss running through the parking lot and, uh, and tackles him from behind. So Ty Robinson, my pick to click. All right, Mitch. Yeah, I'm going to go with Nash, Nash Hutmaker. Um, similar, similar to Brunts there. I mean, is it's is it a stretch to say that he's the not just the defensive MVP, but the team MVP for Nebraska this season? I mean, Robinson has certainly uh, you know made a late a late push at that, but I think Nash his consistency um, definitely puts him in that conversation, maybe at the top of the list. So I think he has another good game um, with uh, two TFLs. And a um, and a batted down pass against Tanner Mordecai. And on the offensive side, I'll give you two. On the offensive side, I think Malachi Coleman is going to catch um, catch three passes, um, which would be uh, I believe that would be that would be a season high for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and maybe even a big one um, in there that's uh, that's of consequence in the outcome of the game. I think Malachi um, is itching to get back on the field after um, you know you can debate his role and the and the importance of what happened on the last interception and. Um, whose fault it was or whose fault it wasn't. You know, Matt Rule says it's his fault. Um, but I, I think Malachi's a guy who uh, has played enough now that he knows what to do, and, and he's going to go out um, at Camp Randall and play his best game of the season. BC? As Mitch was talking about Nash, I was thinking, by the way, he's one of those guys you sometimes have to take stock of where people were thinking about him in the spring and the summer. And remember, like he was like a fringe defensive guy going into this year. Like it, he was so good out of the gate, you almost forget like how far he's come. But um, I think he's gonna have a big game. But I'll say, um, I'll say Jalen Lloyd. Like I feel like he's uh, gained a little confidence. Um, you know, he caught one last week that was not an easy catch, sort of behind him. Catch. I'm not gonna say he's gonna have like these game breaking moments, but I think you'll have a couple catches which are important in the moment. You know, you're a third and seven or something like that. That's going to really help them. And you're going to, you're going to look at it and be like, it, it, he's not all the way there yet, but you're seeing the signs of what can be. And I think that's starting to happen with him. A lot of positivity uh, as we've gotten into this prediction section, which, you know, is curious. We're going to go to BC who picked Maryland last week. The only one to pick Maryland. He will start it off. What's your game prediction, BC? Yeah, maybe I had too much positivity for what my pick is. Um, sometimes they don't actually compute when you put it all together. But I'll say, um, I'll say Wisconsin seventeen to twelve. Um, it's just if I had to bet my like Toyota Rav on like who's gonna win, I just couldn't do it with Nebraska yet. Um, so I, I, I think the, the two Alvano kicks, there's going to be a touchdown at some point. Nebraska's going to try to get the two and bring it within three. That's how I got to 17 to 12. We're going to need some sort of ruling. Was was mentioning your your vehicle some kind of humble brag there? That or? felt like a flex. Yeah, like it did. Flex. It was a little I, bit of a flex. I am like, I'm I a Toyota am, Rav guy. Oh, I didn't know that was a flex of any sort, especially when it has 102,000 <laughs> miles on it. Yeah. Hey, look, 
You can flex <laughs> however you want. We're we're not here to take that away. Not meant as a flex, trust me. Yeah. Uh I against all better judgment. Uh, I'm taking Nebraska to win 12 to 9 on a game that features seven made field goals. Tristan Alvano hits the game winner. It's not like as clock expires. There's probably like 42 seconds left in the game. He makes it. Nebraska wins. Bowl eligibility. 12 to 9. No touchdowns. All field goals. Get excited. Camp Randall Saturday night. Bronx. Yeah, I didn't like what I heard coming out of Madison this week. Um, there, there was a lot of woe is me talk. We, you know, having covered a team for a long time that talked that way. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a little afraid that Wisconsin is going to be able to, against all odds, pull it together and uh, get it over the finish line in this one. It's going to be ugly. Um, I don't know the math behind this, um, but Wisconsin is going to somehow win 19 to 15 in this game, and. I, I just uh, – it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is right now. I, you, I can't trust it on the road. And uh, I, I think that the turnovers are, again, going to be a, a big factor, as will field position, allowing Wisconsin to somehow eke this one out. Mitch? You know, it feels like – and you guys have, you guys have, uh, have fallen in line with this. It feels like one of those games with just strange scores in the teens. Like we had a 12, and then Brunch, you had a – you had a 19, 15. 19, 19 and 15 are, are strange numbers. So Square I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with that and say 18, 18 to 14, 14's normal, 18 to 14, Nebraska. Um, I, and mainly for the reason that, that this year in the big 10 and, and especially in the big 10 West up is down and down is up. And even with Iowa, even with Iowa, which fires its offensive coordinator, I mean, that's, that's, that's the opposite of what would normally happen. So at, at eight and two, you know, okay. So they're somewhat in line with the way things have gone in recent years, but like everything else in the big 10 West has just been truly as bizarre as you could ever imagine. And, and, and it's fitting in the final year of division play. I think Nebraska, um, it would, there would be some like poetic justice in this. If in the final year before you go divisionless in the big 10, the Huskers, after all of the struggles that they've, faced and, and and experienced against Wisconsin for the last 11 years since that since the Badgers hung 70 on them and um, in in the, in Indy uh, that they finally get it done they finally get it done in Madison and eke out a victory um, so I'm going 18 to 14 Nebraska wins and gets bowl eligible with Chubba Purdy um, riding off into the sunset it would be that would be just something. As we, you know, just as we moment. all predicted. Yeah, there, there was a moment on Saturday where I thought if Chubba Purdy had led the game-winning drive, it was going to be like when Lane McCallum was hoisted up on the shoulders mm. after that shaky field goal win against Northwestern. Like that's that's where I thought we were headed up until that third down play. So I I think if he does lead them, Mitch, to a victory and in, in Camp Randall, you're going to have an opportunity with with uh, Chubba Purdy just soaring in the air to to get a good photo there on the on the field after the game. And that'll, he'll endure a season. He'll experience a season ending injury on that, on that, in the cell during the celebration. That would be, that would be incredibly fitting <laughs> to be incredibly fitting. All right. Anybody, uh, any final things you'd like to, to offer here before we depart on the hype cast? No, no, nobody, nobody has anything they want to add. We're, we're all talked out. Everyone's ready for this, uh, 
exciting contest. Mitch, we appreciate it. Thank you for joining us here on the Husker 24-7 Hypecast. People can catch your work at The Athletic or follow you on uh, on Twitter or X. Uh, you know, what is what is your handle? Where can people, conf- where can they follow you? At Mitch Sherman. Easy, easy as it gets. There we go. All right. For Brian Christopherson, Michael Brunch, Mitch Sherman, I'm Mike Shaver. This is Husker 24-7 Hypecast. We'll be back with more content later. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.